a limited time only, get any size soft drink for just $1. Value means more at Macca's. The new refined seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's large SUV. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. This is Sports Day. Hello, welcome along to Sports Day. Well, tonight it's the Pies and the Tigers at Icon Stadium, which will kick off in about an hour's time. And you can hear it all here on SEN. But if you want to stay listening to Kane and myself, tune over to the app as footy ramps up to the official start next Thursday when the SCG hosts Sydney and the Demons. Well, tomorrow morning, though, it's the Power Pepper Tribunal with Jeff Gleeson in an absolute bind after coming up well short last year with the Goey's three-week suspension. He can't simply give him two, but it's not as bad as the Goey's. So we wait with interest to see how he works his way through that difficulty. The AFL again won four, but Gleeson may well revert to the matrix. It should have been changed over summer, which still says it comes up three-plus. So after a weekend in Perth, bouncing off the turnbuckles at the wrestling, let's welcome back the co-hostess with the mostess, Kane Corns, to get his view on all matters football. Welcome to you, Kane. Uh, thank you, Jared. Great to be here. Good Tell to us see about you the wrestling. Person. Well, I didn't go. The oh. three boys what went. What was your excuse? Well, I just... Ticket prices? No, well, maybe. <laughs> Scalpers? Five tickets expensive, but the boys had loved it. Right. Honestly, there are some different breeds that follow yeah. wrestling. We've got yeah. a couple of them that work here yeah. at SEN, but... The sons, uh, my sons, that are they, they just love it, and they got caught up in it. There was people everywhere. It was one of the most watched WWE events ever. Optus Stadium is magnificent. It's the perfect place to to hold it, and, and I like Perth. Um, so we, Lucy and I, just stayed there on Saturday and yep. Sunday night. The boys went to the wrestling, and we hung around and, and had a really good weekend. But it's good to be back into quick it. Quick marathon, most of there. No, no quick marathons. Um, no, uh, just uh, just some. Light fitness work in the, okay. in the gym there, Jared. Right. But uh, it's good to be back and straight. We're, we're straight in. Oh, yeah. I, I when you've got a tribunal uh, case we're, like yep. this, you know your footy season's back. We're, so I'm, I'm interested to test the temperature because I wasn't on uh, last night. I, I saw a lot of commentary online. I didn't like what Sam Powell Pepper mm. did. Equally, I've got some sympathy for him. Others don't, and I understand the reasons for that. Um, but when you are playing a tough game and um, you do everything at full speed like he does and and the momentum of an opposition player is brought towards you, then there are some mitigating circumstances. So I agree with your opening. It's nowhere near as bad as what Dugowie did last year. It's nowhere near as bad as what Cozzy Pickett did last year, albeit the result wasn't as bad with Bailey Smith. He got up, mm. fortunately didn't hit him in the head. There's been worse in, in, in recent times, but I understand the sensitive nature of it, and I won't be surprised if it lands at four. I can't see how he gets four after yeah. Gleeson gave the goey three. I, I mean, think they want to send a message. Well, they, they do, but yeah. they wanted to send one last year, and Gleeson didn't read the room. So I'll be I'll be staggered if he gets four, but I don't know how he. I think he probably ends up with three, but uh, I, I I just think the AFL missed the trick, as I said last night, in uh, in not changing the matrix to make mm. sure it spits out four. So Jeff Gleeson, when he goes back to the matrix, it's got a four or it's got a five in front of it. Well, we've got a big show. So Justin Lepich is going to join us. That's good. I mean, he's he's one of the great coaches. It's uh, not a senior coach, well, he, and he probably will be again if if he wants yeah. if he wants to be because it's it's perfect. It's the Michael Voss 
model where you coached doesn't work. He's been involved in a few premierships back, now, hasn't he? Well, he has. He's had a lot of success. Head of strategy at Collingwood looks after their forwards, so he will join us. As will Tim Silvers from the Adelaide Football Club. A lot of questions around Matthew Nix and his contract, and Tim's been asked about that a lot. Uh, we will do that again tonight. Uh, don't worry about that. But um, there's a fair bit on the agenda for Adelaide, who must be setting themselves for finals. Yeah. There's probably no other acceptable outcome for them this season. There's a whole group of clubs in a similar situation. But I was just having a, a chat about Nick Dacos just about 30 seconds before we came on air and we're going to speak to Justin Lepich and I'll ask him about the role they may use him in. Mm. He kicked 19 goals last year. How many goals could he kick if they used him in a Petrarca-type role where you go centre bounce and then you do your damage in the forward half rather than go to centre bounce and do your damage in the back half? I know at times he, he's gone forward but wouldn't that be the way to use him this year? W would that be one area of Collingwood that they could go to another level with the use of him? Well, I think there's still growth left. Could he kick 40? Oh, I think if he played inside the forward 50, he would kick 40. <laughs> I mean, that's two a game. I, I think if he played if he played sort of 70% inside the forward 50 and 30% on the ball, I think 40 would be well and truly achievable. I mean, I, I just think as much as everybody understands how good this player is, it's, it's hard to sort of sort of except that he's still in coming up to his third season. And, I mean, the bar is just so high. We may be looking at one of the, you know, the all-time greats. He's got a long way to go. The bloke I feel the most sorry for is Josh Dacos, who's having a fantastic <laughs> career himself, best and fairest in a premiership well, season, and yet yeah. does not get anywhere near the coverage that he should. So, Josh... We understand how good you are, mate. We understand how great a season you are. All Australian last We see year. you, Josh. We yeah. see you. Don't worry. You're not forgotten. <laughs> Don't worry. For someone who had a brother better than me, yeah. uh, I, I know I know how he feels. But so Papley kicked 37 last year, and in, yeah. and that's the type of role. He'd, be a more, he'd spend more minutes midfield than what Papley would. But could you get 40 goals out of him? And I know there's an obsession with halfbacks and there's been an obsession this preseason. Everyone's going to halfback. It's the biggest, I think it's the biggest cop out. I think most players can go to halfback mm. if you've got some level of talent and succeed. And a lot of the youngsters are doing it and I get it, McKercher and Reed and started with Dacos and Sheasel and it's worked. So no criticism towards the youngers, but to see Nick Martin go to halfback or Max Holmes go to halfback, why? Why would you send your prime movers to halfback? I'd be putting... Dacos, 65% on ball, 35% forward, and the results could be extraordinary. Yeah, I think if you're an elite kick, then you need that coming off the half-back line. It sets you up, and, and that's why I think that uh, Angus Brayshaw was a great half-back for Melbourne. I, I'm not sure Melbourne were better last year with him playing through the middle. I liked him as a half-back. Uh, uh, Malira mm. down at um, Saints. the Saints, yeah. I think, has been moved from a wing to halfback for the very reason. And it, it's working a treat. Uh, so that's why they're going down there, not just because they're young, but uh, because they're elite kicks as well. All right. 1-300-736-736 is the Harcourt's open line. And as always, we're doing it for Kia, the new refined seven-seat Kia Sorrento. And for Maccas, any soft drink for just $1 at Maccas. Mick is in Airport West. How many for Power Pepper, Mick? He's got to get three plus, but I, I can't believe you blokes are sitting here going, it's it's not worse than to go. He's, what what flabbergasted me with with the Pell Pepper incident was the Dugowie one, play stopped, players were around him. Well, Collingwood players were anyway. West Coast players were nowhere near him. But on the Pell Pepper one, 
umpire was right there when he bumped him, when he got slung, and then Pal Pepper hit him in the head. Then the umpire let the play go on while the play was concussed on the ground. I'm like, Fanny, he's got to get three plus, right? He doesn't. He doesn't deserve more than four, but he deserves three plus. Okay. He deserves three plus, but not more than four. It's going to be a tough one. Well, I don't know because someone's going to be made accountable this year when they do the wrong bump and they're going to cop six. Well, you're saying he's going to get four weeks, and that's okay. But I'm not sure how he gets four weeks if the goey only got three. And it's the same judge. I assume it's the same judge. <laughs> well, Jared, you played the game. Kane, you played the game. You know, you know how the tribunal works. If this was Neil Busy, I'll go back to the eighties and nineties. If this was Neil Busy, the guy would have caught five mm. or six. Yeah, and- look, it, it is a it's a fresh season. Um, the issue is even more sensitive. I mean, it was really sensitive last year, and has been really sensitive for the last. 10 years probably, but equally that has been heightened with the week that we had last year. And the AFL has said that last year's tribunal will have no bearing on this year's results. That's what they've said, Jared. They may give him four and one of those may be able to be served this week. Well, the AFL are the same though. They asked for four last week, last year, and they want four again. So they're not distinguishing between the two. And despite what our first caller said, I think you can distinguish between the two to a slight favouring towards um, Pal Pepper. No, no, I agree with you uh, on that one. J-Dog says prior to being drafted, Nick Dacos was frequently kicking two to three goals per game as a midfielder. Uh, how would Dacos win the ball if you stop the supply to him? He'll win the ball. He's a he's a ball magnet. The guy's getting 35 to 40 touches every week when he plays. He doesn't need any help there. And he'll still get his looks on ball to get him into the game. This one you won't like, Jared. To kick a lot of goals, Petrarca wins his own ball. He's a ball hunter. He's not a receiver. You touched on this last year. What do you say to the people who suggest Nick Dacos is just a receiver? Well, I say they're talking absolute rubbish, and I'll address it tomorrow night. I'll guarantee you that. All right. Look look forward to to that one. Uh, Any updates on Cam Guthrie's injury? No, what a joke. Well, there is updates. He's eight to ten weeks um, with that uh, quad injury. Yeah, it's a horrible so that's a shocker. Re- report, isn't it? Eight to ten weeks. We've got uh, Flynn going down for a dozen weeks over in the West, and he's a primary focus for them. They haven't really got a backup if they wanted to play uh, their key forward. Sorry, mm. their their ruckman from last year in the in the forward line. So they're short. Sam Naismith. Fortunately, the Tigers uh, were smart enough to pick him up. He's going to be running around tonight, and probably uh, if he plays well, he gets a game in round one. A few texts coming through off the temper text in relation to Peter Sumich. He quit his job at the West Australian uh, because they refused to publish his less than totally glowing article about Harley Reid. Yet Tim Gossage had the nerve to scoff at your suggestion. This was my suggestion that the WA journalists are reluctant to bag West Coast. I, I said the Perth media is petrified of of the West Coast Eagles. That, that, that were the words I used. Perhaps a touch harsh. I debated it with Tim Gossage when uh, you were still on leave uh, on the first week of Sports Day, Jared, and we had it out. We agreed to disagree. What he said wasn't bad, Peter Sumich. We mm. might touch on this later on in the program. But uh, he said he's got a bit of puppy fat and yep. he's nowhere near as good as Chris Judd at the same age. Yeah, it didn't come across as uh, damaging to me, I've got to say. I mean, it was, it was critical of a few areas, but, uh, gee, if, you, if you're anywhere between... 18 and 22, 23, there are areas of your game that uh, need addressing. Mm. And I think Summer was all basically saying, just 
you know, lower the temperature a little bit. This bloke has shown no signs of being Chris Judd, who dominated from game one, a bit like uh, Dacos. I'm not sure anybody that I can remember was in that category. Dacos and Judd are standing out to me. Yep. Uh, so it's no knock on him saying he's, he's not ready to dominate. And that was pretty clear from the first game we saw him uh, on the weekend. And there's still a few suggesting that Dacos is a receiver. He'll get found out at half forward because he is a receiver and he takes the kick-ins. Jared will address that tomorrow night. Dacos is very Craig Bradley, but he's no Greg Williams. There is a difference. And where would I play Sheasel? Uh, eventually, centre forward. That's where he's going to be at his absolute best, Sheasel. And I'd like to see a little bit of that this year. Uh, Collingwood take on Richmond tonight in the last of their practice games. Joining us now from Collingwood is Justin Leppich. Lepper, thanks for your time. Yeah, good afternoon, guys. How are you going? Good to chat to you. Um, your thoughts on, on the preseason so far? I mean, you were just saying off air you haven't won or lost a game yet, so pretty good. But uh, have you been happy with, with how you've backed it up? Yeah, I guess how do you judge a preseason? Um, we had minimal surgeries, so that's probably a good thing. Um, you're not having guys, particularly lower limb surgeries. You know, if you have it, like Braden Maynard had a shoulder, but he can do most of the running. So those guys tend to be a bit better prepared coming in to round one. So that, that part's good. And I guess our game plan is what it is. And we, we're always evolving, of course. But um, I guess we've had a couple of seasons where we're not implementing a lot of new things. So... It's been relatively smooth, but that doesn't mean the season's going to be smooth, as we know. I was having a chat to someone today uh, connected to one of the clubs, and, and they said they're trying to play a bit more chaotic off half-back and handball the footy from their back half and run. And I thought, well, that, that's just a direct copy of Collingwood. And, and you know that's what happens. Uh, the other teams come to copy the successful side. You, you've seen it at Brisbane. You would have seen it at Richmond. Now you're seeing it at Collingwood. What do you think about that? And can it be replicated the way you play? Well, it can be replicated, but, you know, we, we not only educate it to its, you know, finest end, we train it as well. And, you know, I mean, I guess if everyone did the same thing, there's still going to be a team that finishes 18. So <laughs> it's not going to work for somebody, isn't it? Um, so sometimes it's not always the best thing to, you know, copy what the what the leader's doing and it's doing what your team does well. And, and I, I think the version of what we have at Collingwood's different to what we had at Richmond even. And I, I watch the Giants and what Adam Kingsley's doing there and it's, it looks the same, but it is a slightly different version as well. And that's because of the personnel you've got. And you might have a more of a stoppage strength team. So whilst you're going to play fast, you might be protecting it in other ways. So, yeah, it, it, I guess you can put it under the Richmond, old Richmond banner, but there, there is different versions. It's an interesting description, Chaos. Uh, I remember uh, talking and writing about it uh, a fair period of time, Chaos versus Control, about 15 years ago. But... Uh, it seems to me my interpretation of chaos is win the ball across the half-back line and just play it as it unfolds, which if that's the way, you know, taking the, the coaching uh, arm away from it and, and putting it back in control of the players, that would advantage, in my view, the clubs that have got the best players. Yeah, it does. I think there's also an element of, and you mentioned the word control chaos. I mean, we, we like to play faster with the ball. And as you know, I mean... Um, and all forwards will tell you this, the quicker you move it, the, the harder it is for their defenders. Yep. So the slower you, you move it, the easier it is. So we want to move it to make it really difficult for the opposition's defenders, but we also want to do it with a bit of integrity behind the ball. So if it does fail, we're not going to get completely um, scored against back the other way. So uh, finding that balance is always the key, and that's where we do most of our tinkering is in that space. So yes, we want to move the ball at speed and give our forwards the best chance, but the when and the how and the, what part of the field and 
what time of the game and all, all those little um, specifics. So they're really important um, part of it as well. How important is tonight, Leper, and will it be a full-on dress rehearsal and, and Skippy's in charge? Yeah, Skippy's in charge is as good. He's a wonderful coach. I mean, he's been our midfield guy for a couple of seasons and, and done a wonderful job there as well. And, you know, if he wants to, he's probably ready to go in the in the role as well. But, um, yeah, look, we've got our full list out there, apart from Pendles and Jeremy Howe. And Pendles is just literally on training a couple of days ago, a little knock and... We just sort of was, was, you know, we're just going to have to sort of wait on that one because um, it's just so close to the game. But um, probably could have played. Um, and Jeremy, we'll wait and see. Uh, we think he's going to be right for round zero, but he's still got another week of self-training to go. Bobby Hill's last two games, one was a grand final. The other one was Matt Sim. Uh, have him as nearly the best player in the competition right now. He's just so exciting. He looks like he's had a fantastic summer again. <laughs> he came off and said, I think I just got another norm. I said, no, not in the practice match, brother. <laughs> It doesn't work here, so. Um, but you're right. My gosh, what a game! He's, um, you know, it's great to see players like that when they find that little spark and they they feel like they belong on the footy field. Mm. And I'm starting to see that a little with Barry McCreary now. It probably feels like he belongs out there, and it's always great when they hit that and they can sort of then be at their best um, without the stress and anxiety of the game. And yeah, hopefully that's okay, and it continues that way for for both those boys and. A lot of other young boys too. A massive pickup. In fact, your recruiting last year probably uh, won you the won you the flag, or certainly uh, so important in taking you from prelim final uh, loss by a point against the Swans to uh, winning a prelim final by a point, and then uh, winning a grand final in the last few minutes of the game. But it's amazing if you can just add a little bit of uh, extra talent each summer. Uh, how much better it is. Yeah, exactly. And look, you have to be targeted, of course. I mean. Trey's always good because you can top up areas of the ground you need. And I think when we came here, we identified, we didn't know much about Bo. Um, and then Jack Denevin was, you know, he's a rookie um, small forward. So we didn't have a lot of depth in the area. Yeah. Now, fast forward a couple of seasons later, with, you know, Bo's developed and um, we've got Bobby in the team and now we've got Lockie Schultz. So mm. we've actually got some really high talent in that part of the field now um, from when, when we first started. So, yeah, it's a dangerous forward line. And, and not only in the offensive side of the ball, but the defensive side of the ball. So, um, we love what they bring on both sides there. Yeah, I think Schultz is going to be a fantastic pickup. I, I still think underrated and a bit unknown, given that uh, Fremantle are probably not the most high-profile club on this side of uh, the country. But uh, he his performance over there has been phenomenal, and he's he's going to be a great pickup for you. Yeah, we rate him really highly, um, and he's a three-phase forward, which is you know as I said before, lock, lock and defend, lock and attack. But it's not many that can do. Do both in his own. He's a good stoppage and team player as well. So he's he's sort of a you know whilst he doesn't look like the standout flashy player like Bobby Hill, he um, he's always there and he's always around, um, which we love. We love those type of players. Who else has impressed you, Leper? Who, who's hungry? I, I look at someone like Noble um, and his motivations, and he, he looked good last week. He looks to be fit and hungry. Lipinski's probably another one. So you've got those types that have been around for a while and played a lot of footy, but would be motivated to get themselves cemented back into the best 18. Yeah, absolutely. Finn McRae's had a wonderful pre-season. He's, he's taken him, he's running to another level, which I think obviously helps the midfielder. When you can carry yourself across the ground a bit with a bit more ease, it helps you get from contest to contest. So he's been terrific. Reef McGuinness had a great pre-season um, as well, whether that goes into the, you know, I guess the in-season. But um, you're right, John's, you know, he's obviously had a lot to prove um, himself after missing out last year, and um, we, we still think he's a really important player for us. So. 
Did, what, what, did, sorry, uh, Jared. Did Kruger do his hammy today, Leper? Yeah, it's, it seems that way. Um, I just got word when I uh, got into the change rooms that he um, he's on the way to the to get the MRI now. So I'm not sure of the extent of it, but it seems the case. Yeah, we had a few soft tissue injuries uh, early in the piece, haven't we? Um, unfortunately, for various clubs. What what did you notice about Adam Uze's Tigers, uh, if anything, or is it too early to tell? <laughs> well, it's a bit early to tell. I mean, they, when you're watching them against Melbourne, they were moving the ball fast. It seems both teams, and in fact, I watched most games through the you know the practice match last week, and um, most teams are trying to move it um, through the corridor at speed. It's a you know you, you, you always sit here this time of the year and say, is it a trend or is it the fact that you know the, the decks as fast as it is, they're as yep. thick as they are, and um, and and usually you haven't had any defence leading into the first game. You've had a lot of offensive stuff, and the defensive stuff you've done is maybe systematic and structural, but you're not bashing your players before that. So they, once the hits start and the defence comes a little bit more into the game, the, the game might change again. But you're right, it's all looking fast and direct, and, mm. and both Melbourne and Richmond look like that last week. So we're, we're anticipating that. Um, but it also makes you, you know, give, gives you opportunity to defend as well and, and, and burn back the other way. So... Um, so yeah, we'll be again like like probably all of us will be looking at Richmond and wondering what part of them is going to be old Richmond or New yeah. Melbourne or whatever it is, you know. But it, it'll probably be a hybrid of all of it. Um, but it's a bit of a wait and see when you play a team with a new coach. Positionally, will you try anything different tonight? Uh, no, we won't play around too much. We've talked about doing some of the contingency stuff in the second half of the game. Um, you know what we do with Nick and all those sorts of little things, but. Uh, we, we think it's just good to get them out playing. It's the first time against opposition our best 22 is going to be there. So we want to get them settled into the game, used to the speed of the game. It's quite hot here today. So they'll have enough challenges in, in all that. So I couldn't imagine anything going too crazy um, as far as that. But um, usually if we do, it's in the second half if we make some alterations to things. But it, you, you'll see a pretty stock standard look to start with. You mentioned Nick. He, he kicked 19 goals last year, which is a, you know, a pretty good effort for the amount of footy he played across half-back and through the midfield. How much will you look to use him in the front half? Can he play the sort of Dugowie role where he's centre-bounce forward or will he continue to be predominantly centre-bounce back? Yeah, we've got to keep monitoring that, don't we? Like it's, I think Nick's still in the growth phase of his career, which is a scary thought. But um, you know, it's, you know, he, he's such a good distributor from halfback, and then so you don't want to lose that. Um, he's learning his centre square bounce craft, but you know, one on one at ground level, he's back him every time. And clearly, as you know, what he does in the front half, he breaks fifty six goals. So <laughs> got everything basically, um, just like you, Kano. Uh, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> <laughs> you go to, oh, those blokes really... gave me nightmares, Leffer. They're long gone. <laughs> <laughs> they ended my career. <laughs> we, to, the, to get to the point, we've got no idea. Um, we'll, we'll play him through the midfield, but I'm, I guarantee there's weeks where we, we want to you know, put him the halfback and get that drive. Um, so he's probably one that will, will, not week to week, but it could be month to month how we use him throughout the season, um, depending on opposition and, and where we think he's the most potent. Is there any chance, Leper? given that you're head of strategy of the Premiers, that at, at some stage Kane will get his wish and every club will have a designated tagger? Uh, it's an interesting one. I mean, you probably heard the, the talk about it. I mean, taggers clearly take one particular player out of the game, which is really important, but often they create defensive holes. And that, that's, I think that's what coaches basically fight. It's just that battle. Is, is it worth it enough? Is this guy so important mm-hmm. that he'll... Taking him out will literally stop the opposition and the game on our terms, or will it actually create more problems? And I know it's probably a deeper conversation from right now 
to get the answer on it. But there are, there are times it is. Um, but um, you know, in my I've probably spent, spent sorry seven years of not tagging or being in teams that haven't tagged, mm. or if you have tagged, it might be around a stoppage situation where you might influence their clearance numbers, say. But in general transition, you don't. So there's, there's versions of it out there as well. And um, but yeah, we traditionally haven't and had good success as a team, but. Um, you know, um, it doesn't say though that it, it won't work or hasn't worked for certain teams. Fast forward to opening round, the Giants hate your leppage. Does that keep you up at night? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, in fairness to Dave, I think he's you know it's it's a big game for Western Sydney, and we you know we want to build it up to also it's um you know to to be a bit of a rivalry. So I mean, I don't think there's any hatreds between the. The teams, that's all. It's a bit of friendly banter um, leading into round zero, which is only a healthy thing, I think. Mm. Well, mate, thanks for your time. Uh, only moments before the first bounce tonight, taking on Richmond. Good luck tonight, and then and good luck. Can't wait to see you in opening round in your defence of the Premiership. Yeah, thanks, guys. All good. Collingwood assistant coach Justin Leppage joining us on Sports Day. This is Sports Day. Yeah, it's a big welcome into Sports Day to our new audience who are joining us for the first time this evening. If that is you, we just caught up with Justin Lepich from the Pies. That game about 10 minutes away from uh, getting underway between Collingwood and Richmond. We'll keep you updated with live scores. What are you looking to see, Richmond and Collingwood fans? Let us know. The Harcourt's open line is open. You'll get straight through one 736 736 Great prize giveaway. Add-in holds a goal for you and a mate with a cart. Thanks to Club Mandalay. Magnificent course down there for the caller of the evening. And Adelaide CEO Tim Silvers to join us very, very shortly. Uh, Jared, a lot of texts coming through as well. Um, he's, he's polarizing Nick Dacos. I mean, you, you're, you're strong on how, uh, how he plays and how he's not just an outside player, but there's others that are probably not Collingwood fans that don't watch as closely. Uh, John says... He agrees with you. The stupidity of many football followers is breathtaking regarding Dacos. But then there's this. Dacos struggles with a tag. How's he going to go with a tight checking defender on him? Forget about it. I don't think he does struggle with the tag. I think. Well, the only time I've seen him really struggle with a tag was I think Ryan Clark got him in Sydney when he was playing across this the half-back line. This in his first year, wasn't it? This is in his first year. Yeah. I mean, he's a kid playing Finn his McGinnis 15th game. Finn McGuinness got he him. Went, he went forward and was looking like he was going to impact forward, but then he got injured. So I, I, the, the fact that to say that he struggles with the tag is is a bit of a myth, really. You know what, everybody... everybody they hate it. Everybody struggles with they the tag. I mean, if you've got good. somebody who's specifically sent out to stop you getting the ball, and they're, they are, they're not judging themselves on how many possessions they get, it's rare that anybody survives at their normal average possession rate. Yeah. Uh, the captains have been interviewed and they've been put through a questionnaire and most of them think that the team other than their own yep. is going to be the hardest to beat is is Collingwood. So eight of the captains voted for them that they're most worried about in terms of uh, this year. Brisbane with six votes and GWS won. So no love from any of the captains to any of those other three teams. The question was, who is your premiership favourite? But hard to be go. It would be hard to go past those three, though. I mean, Collingwood haven't picked up too much, but they've picked up a really good player in Schultz that we discussed. Um, Bit of hype around Brisbane. Well, I think what the hype is exacerbated by just how impressive they were. I mean, recency bias is enormous, and they looked ready to rock and roll, didn't they? Against the Suns, they looked big, and they looked. 
mm. hot to trot. And, you know, they were only a kick or so away, only a minute or so away, a bit like the West Coast in – sorry, a bit like the Pies in 2018. They were – Siren goes a couple of minutes earlier. They, they, they're flag winners, so they're going to have to be in it. The Giants – they didn't really pick up anybody over the summer period. That worries me a little bit, but they've got a lot of a lot of in-house development Growth. coming through. Yeah, they've, they've got players that are now coming into their third, fourth yep. year ready to go, and they're surrounded by experience who are still in good form and mm. still basically in the prime of their careers. We talk Kelly, Whitfield, Canelio, Green, these types of players. So the demographic of their list is good, and they've got a game plan that they, uh, they believe in, and their back half of the season was extraordinary. As well, I don't know. I've given up with predictions. This is the hardest year that I can ever it's remember. It's only going to get harder in terms with the of evening doing, up of the competition. It's doing predictions. We're lucky the West Coast, are, uh, we can sort of uh, lock them away because North Melbourne are going to upset a few. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, uh, North Melbourne will finish higher than a lot of people are giving them credit for. Uh, Joanne is on the line. You've got some frustrations with the fixture. Welcome to Sports Day. Hi. How ridiculous is... 25 weekends of football, right, in 24 rounds, but the first round starts the second week. <laughs> that does not make sense in anybody's language. <laughs> who decided this? Who decided that? That is crazy. You've only just picked up on this, Joanne. Oh, look, I'm stuck doing my little thing that we have for our little punters yeah. thing. Yeah. And I'm thinking... This is just so stupid. We start with round zero. Yeah. <laughs> the opening round is zero. Like, in no other sport would they have that written down. Like, that is just the most ridiculous thing I've heard of. You weren't at a Bayside coffee a shop having a coffee uh, about 11 o'clock yesterday, were you? No, no I tell you, you what. Well, I'll um, tell you what, I heard the same conversation. Somebody just picked up the fixture and realised, Kane, that uh, it starts before round one. Yeah, Joanne, it's, it is a bit confusing um, and the length of it is an issue. I think, I think it's too the long. The length of what? The season. It's, it's 31 weeks of continuous football. I think it is too long. And the whole thought process around doing it was going to be there in opening round when the NRL aren't. But the NRL are playing there yeah, as no, well. That, that doesn't really make sense. Wasn't that it? supposed to be you're going to go there yeah. when they weren't there? And then they were going to capture that market for a week, but that's not... Well, the NRL's on in, in its finest. Exactly. I think it's a game in Newcastle, <laughs> for starters. Wait, look, I'm up for it. Uh, they're great games. All four of the games, I'm fascinated mm. by. They're all... You couldn't, have, you couldn't have had four better games, I don't think, in terms of what they've put on with the fascination around some of the teams, including Melbourne and the Tigers up against Hardwick and Collingwood and Giants and the little rivalry that they are building. Yep. And, and that's been played out publicly, which which I like. So uh, I, I'm up for it. Um, but the rest of us, the rest of the teams just have to sit and wait. Yeah, it's weird. Thanks for your call, Joanna. I'll put you back to Sammy. Not sure if you're a golfer, but if you are, we'll sort you out with 18 holes of golf for you and a mate with a cart. Visit Club Mandalay. That one is valued at just under $100. Uh, I recall when Chris Judd played his first game in the waffle, the coach said to him after the game, Good luck. Goodbye. <laughs> I will never see you again. I agree with that. He shouldn't have played one. No, well, he was, one was too many. I thought that was embarrassing. They played him one. <laughs> and this one wants you to remind me of the time that you and Gary tried to tweak the rules so a 16-year-old Chris Judd could go to Ireland with you. No, it's not true. Is that true? He was 17. <laughs> <laughs> he might have been 16 at the time. But we did have a practice game out somewhere in Waverley. It might have even been at Waverley. 
and it was uh, the AIS squad, under eighteen AIS squad, yep. up against the squad that was going to uh, to Ireland. Well, after about forty minutes, I turned around. I think Gary was coach, um, and said. Is there any chance that we might be able to take this bloke? Because he is clearly best on the ground. It was tongue-in-cheek to a degree, but he was, without question, the best on ground for a period of time. He was just running off the half-back line. He, was, he wasn't he was a great kick of the round no. ball. But or, or the Sharon. Uh, probably not the Sharon. Good, good kick at goal on the run. Yeah. But field kick, not great. Didn't quite master the, the, the sort of kick around the corner. But, uh, gee, he was a hell of a... <laughs> Hell of a 16 or 17-year-old. And uh, somebody's reminded me that um, there was one other player who was uh, pretty good in their Daniel first Kerr, year. Was, oh. No, uh, won the rising Nathan star. Nathan Buckley? It was, uh, well, Bucks was really good, wasn't he? Uh, I was just trying to get this one up from Brooksy. Whereas a Sam Walsh was uh, pretty good in his first year as well. He was pretty good yep. in, his, uh, in his first year. Uh, Joel Selwood had a great start as a yeah, first Yeah, he had a great player. first year premiership player. That's yep. hard to argue with. I hope round zero is better than Coke zero. Uh, there's literally five other sports slash comps that have round zero. I don't know what is so hard to get your head around, but then there's this one. Stop thinking, Joanne. You're hurting yourself. Yeah. I think we're all hurting ourselves. And Paul says, get off North Corn. You don't like North and we hate you. Well, I'm not getting too excited about North, but it'd be impossible. You actually gave him a you actually yeah. gave them a small credit. Oh, I about said they'll five surprise a few. It'll be impossible to go worse. So I mean, I I, ex- I expect them to triple their win count. I think they get to nine. Nine. That's a lot. I know. That's I, a lot. I, eight or nine. I think. I was bullish last year and went for six and got howled down, and no, uh, the howlers were right. Eight or nine. If you look at what Hawthorne did last year, there's no reason why North mm. can't. It's just the back line. Back. If they can, if the if the people that are sort of floating through the back line can sort of solidify that area, well, they've got the midfield, they've got the ball use, and they've, they've got the forward line now to create some dramas. This one's funny from Costa. I'll tell you what. I've listened to Lee Montagna say the Cats will finish top four. David King said the Crows list is no good. And you blokes just said North will do some damage after they played Collingwood's VFL team. Uh, you guys got a competition going on for who can say the stupidest preseason predictions. Well, give it, give us your eight, Costa. I'll take a photo of it and then we will revisit it at the end of the home and away. Not just season. your eight, but we need to know. We'll see how you go. Where you think North Ball will finish up? Yeah, uh, Ben Hart was an All Australian year one. Yeah, I think Ben he was. Hart was in All Australian's first two years. Two years, I think you're right. He was amazing. Kane, you're joking about Judd not being a good kick, aren't you? He was better on his opposite foot than you. Well, I'm not saying I was a good kick, uh, Toff, but I don't think Chris Judd was known for his beautiful kicking skills. He was a good kick for goal on the run at Chris full Judd speed, was just known for being great at most but things. But he wasn't a great uh, field kick. Let's get to our next guest because he's had a busy off-season and they're gearing up for what is going to be an exciting year with some expectations on the team. There's no doubt about that. He's the CEO of the Adelaide Football Club. His name's Tim Silvers. Tim, thanks for your time. G'day, Kane. G'day, Gerard. Thanks e- for having me. Expectations are nice because it means you've done a pretty good job to this point, Tim. Uh, how's your attitude around people expecting you to be pretty good this year? Yeah, look, for us, finals are now on the agenda. We believe we've been building. We, we, it was a, an aggressive rebuild by our footy club. Like we, we, we cut really hard. We made some tough decisions and we've been able to stick to that plan for for a long period of time. We felt we were really close to finals last year and we could have been a, a goal kick or so, a so away. So we feel like we're doing a lot of the right things and, um, yeah, we feel like this is the year that we want to 
really challenged for finals and um, put a put a bit of a stake in it in the ground. So and and also for our supporters, we've had to be patient and they've had to be patient and we want them to ride a bit of the journey. So they've been with a few of the downs and we feel like they deserve some. I don't know, some victories and some reward. And um, we're hoping that we can deliver it in the not-too-distant future. So let's get that on the record, Tim. Uh, a pass mark is finals. I don't like to put a, put a, uh, a number on it. But look, that, that is, we're not shying away from where we were aiming and we're aiming for finals. As a footy club, we've been building and we are aiming for finals. All right, and the question you've been asked a lot, and I, look, I like your response, is around the coach and his contract and when's the right time to sign him. You say you are in no rush. There's been some pressure from others. I work with David King, and he says, right, well, if you don't sign him now, there's the risk that he could go somewhere else. I think you've played it nicely, Tim, but the time frame around it and your language is important. It is, it is. But what I can say about Nixie, that we've been part of this together with him as a footy club to commit to this rebuild. He's been there every step of the way. He's built a terrific culture. He's got a good team around him and the players have really bought in. So he's done a terrific job. Um, the contract is on the agenda for us and we're starting to have positive discussions around that. But there is no timeline. If you're going to play finals again, you can't simply rely on the big Texan who's uh, found his best form late in his career. Uh, the thrill, The thrill Thorpe the thrill seeker. The thrill seeker. When is he? When do you think he's uh, uh, going to produce the thrills we're expecting of him on a regular basis? Uh, Texan has been a bit like Benjamin Button over the last couple of years. He, he's been terrific to kick seventy-six goals when he's in his thirty-third year was yep. just a terrific outcome. But as you say, we, we can't rely on that forever, and it's it's definitely um, coming soon that potentially a retirement for him. So. We're really excited by having Riley um, with our footy club. He's had a great pre-season, a terrific pre-season. He's been on our list as he's going into his fourth year. We do know big pipe, the tall keys, they take a bit of time. And he's probably hasn't been an exception to that. But we feel like he's, he's left no stone unturned. He's in a good spot. He's had a terrific pre-season. And we're going to back him in for a really good year. Just got a couple of questions about your, your trade period, Tim. In the end, it was uneventful, really, but it wasn't without trying. How serious did you look at Clayton Oliver? Oh, look, look, we look at all players that are going to improve our list. Um, and you know, I think there was Harrison Petty was also another player that, that we certainly looked at. Um, but we, we didn't want to make trades for the sake of trades. We were able to bring in some couple of real talented players over the last couple of years with Isaac Rankin and Jordan Dawson. Probably no one expected him. We thought he was good um, but and we thought he had leadership, but to be our captain in his second year and then be All-Australian was a, was a really terrific outcome. But we, we didn't want to trade for the sake of trading. Um, we, we got Chris Burgess in, which is a bit of key position, position mm. depth. And look, we'll, we'll be aggressive over the next 12 months to hopefully top up our list. But in, internally, we, we do think we've got the makings of a terrific list. We've got some really good young players. We've, we spoke about Riley. We've got Luke Pedler. We've, we've got some kids that are developing and we're hoping they can take the next step, which will um, hurdle us hopefully towards finals. Yeah, you've got a couple. Saligo, Rochelle, there's a fair few of them. Barry's a, a good player. The due diligence factor on a player that you're looking to recruit. So take Clayton Oliver out. Let's let's go to the draft, for example. And Jared and I have been talking a lot about Taron Thomas and, and were there 
warning signs in his draft year that North failed to to pick up. Do you, do you leave that solely in the hands of Hamish Ogilvy and, and Justin Reid and your list management crew, or do you and the board get involved if need be with a player that may have a few red flags? Oh, we've got a terrific list management team, and that they've done a done a really good job, especially over over the last couple of years with their recruiting and bringing in some traded in players um, so we would back them in on on most things uh, look as as a board or as a CEO potentially there's some due diligence on on certain individuals but we've got the processes in place we think that w- they would deliver that in terms of what what they do in terms of day-to-day through site testing through through an array of different things through through their extensive interviews but depending on the individual potentially the board would get involved mm. now the uh Rumour has it that you drew up a list of about a dozen items that you wanted the AFL to uh, furnish to your club, given the disaster of uh, goal umpire gate last year, which cost you a spot in the flag. How many of the list did you get up? That, that's a rumour. That is a rumour. Um, look, we, we, we were very, very disappointed with it, with that outcome, it must be said. Yep. And uh, you know, we had a lot of discussions with the AFL about how how they could, um, you know, at the time they couldn't overturn the decision, but we were just really disappointed as a footy club and we felt we had to stand up. Um, look, we spoke to them about, um, you know, potentially supporting us through different initiatives that could be our fixture, etc. But the reality is, I think if I step back and I look at what our footy club produced last year, I know we only won... 11 games, but we, we did deliver in big games. We're an exciting brand of footy and, um, you know, clubs wanted to watch us. Spectators came to our game. So yep. it, even though people were talked to, we've got, I think we've got six marquee games out of our first 14. So Thursday or Friday night, which is more than we've had in the last three or four years in total. But I also think our, our club and our list probably deserved it. Mm. Is it good enough that nothing's changed in terms of the technology for season 2024? Tim, I know the AFL is working hard on on the chip in the ball and that doesn't seem too far away, but is it satisfactory that nothing has changed? That's a good question. I, I And they are working hard on it, but I am also been in the industry for 20 years and I look at a lot of other sports and I can see how professional they are in terms of VAR and different different technologies. I thought being the most professional sport in the country that we we need to fast track our improvement there. So um, I think that's something that we can certainly get better in, and we need to fast track it. I know we put more staff potentially in the arc, and and that's an improvement. But if we want to be the best league going, I, I think we need the best goal line technology to go with it. Elliot Himmelberg was an interesting uh, decision. The Giants were really keen on securing him. And you were probably happy to let him go if you had picked up uh, maybe Petty from Melbourne. But in the end, he stays on your list. Um, is he a long-term fixture on your list or is he just covering a hole? Oh, Elliot's been on our list for, for a number of years, I think seven in total. So he's coming into his eighth. We are trying a few different things with Elliot this year. He's been training he was a little bit injured, missed a bit of the pre-season, which is disappointing, set him back a little bit. But he's been training as a, as a defender. Yep. And we think that's, a, that's an area for our footy club that we need we need more of. We've got, obviously got injuries with uh, Nick Murray at the minute. Um, Jordan Butts has also been injured. That, uh, that key position defender is, a, is an opportunity for mm. him. And I, I think we're hopeful that he can um, step up and take it with both hands. Uh, Sam Powell-Pepper will front the tribunal tomorrow. Um, Tim, how did you assess the incident uh, with him and Mark Keane? 
Uh, how did I assess it? I was, I was disappointed for Keeney. He's, he's had such a terrific pre-season. He's been outstanding in all the match simulation and then to uh, get knocked out in the first minute was pretty disappointing for him and his, and his family and the footy club. Um, but I, look, I don't want to probably get into specifics about how I assessed it. But what, what I do know is that concussion is a very serious in, issue in our game. Um, you know, with Angus Brayshaw uh, last week, and we've had Paul Seedsman, that um, I expect that the AFL will deal with these issues, not just for uh, Power Pepper, but all, all players. And I'll be expecting um, they might set a precedent here, but I don't know what that looks like. Mm. All right, let's talk about Rory Sloan. How, how's he recovering from his eye injury? And, and look, did you encourage him to retire, Tim? I just thought with what he's put his body through, with what he's been able to get out of himself, and when we get to repeat issues with eyes and the fact that it can affect your long-term future, can you take us inside those conversations at all? Oh, respectfully, I would never ask him to retire. I mm. never ask any of our players to, to retire. He's he's a warrior of our footy club. Um, it's it was it's certainly a worry the eye injury, but he's. He's come back. He's had his operation. He's been back at the footy club. He's he's not glass half full sort of guy. He's glass overflowing. Yeah. He's been very positive. He's he's put in over the last couple of weeks. He's been running. There's been no talk of retirement in any way, shape or form. It's about what can you do to get back as soon as possible. So we'll work. Player welfare is our priority, I should say. We'll work with the specialists. But um, you know, I, I don't expect him to be retiring. Mm. He put on the agenda goggles. Uh, has he had any fitted, and is that still on the cards? Uh, look, you're probably best best to ask him. I, I know he's going to work with the specialists and look at look at options there. I haven't seen him running around with the goggles. I must admit, mm. but uh, it, if it's if it's best for his protection and what he needs to continue to play footy, knowing Rory, he'll be doing it. Leadership groups uh, were on the menu last week. How do you arrive at yours? What was that? Sorry, Jared. Leadership what, what groups. I mean, some clubs oh, have two, group. some have four, some have eight. And I think you had a, a fairly large leadership group, which uh, we talked about last week. Um, look, for us, we've we've been on a journey over the last couple of years. We had Taylor Walker and Rory Sloan as our our leaders and yep. captains, and we had terrific leadership from those two. They, they they were major leaders of our footy club. But when I got in a couple of years ago. We had some potential up-and-coming leaders, but uh, below that, there was a bit of a, a dearth, we thought. So what we wanted to do over the last couple of years is provide, you know, make sure we've got some depth of leadership and diversity. So what we've done this year is that we've got the four from last year, which is Jordan Dawson. He's been a terrific captain in his, in his first year, and we expect him to be captain of our footy club for a long time. And we've got the three vices, which is uh, Keyes, O'Brien and Smith who've been in the leadership group yep. for a number of years. So that they're, they're, I suppose, the bulk of it, and they're, they're, they've led the club for, for a period of time. But what we wanted to do is provide a bit more depth of leadership to show that this, this club is evolving. There's a bit of an evolution here, and we, we wanted to bring on, and this was led by the players as well. The players voted, but it wasn't only the players. It was the coaches. There was a number of different stakeholders. It also had approval from the board. So we wanted to bring in some 22 to 26-year-olds who are going to be the leaders of our next sphere. So they want to take it forward. So we've got an array of different types of players and different personalities that we think are going to be a really good fit, learn from, the, from I suppose, the top senior four leaders 
And it also shows our younger players, be it uh, Michael Annie, Pedler, Rochelle, Saligo, that leadership isn't too far away for those guys. And put your hand up, make a difference, and um, improve our footy club. And you know, we've thought eight, eight is potentially a large number, but eight out of the 40, 44 on our list, we think it's a nice web of influence across the whole list. All right, Tim. Uh, it's a big year. Uh, there is expectation from outside, and also it sounds like from within. You've done a great job since taking over as CEO, as has the whole of the footy club, and, and the time is now. So go get them. Good luck for the year. Thanks, Kane. Thanks, Jared. Appreciate your support. Tim Silver's there as the Adelaide Footy Club CEO. Very impressive. The Crows take on West Coast at Richmond Oval on Saturday before opening up their season in round one against Gold Coast. I've got them in the eight. Good. I thought you weren't doing predictions. Yeah, um, well, I got sucked in, didn't I? Tell me this very quickly as we come up to the news. Um, the Crows have aggressively rebuilt. Do you see the rebuild going all the way to a flag? I reckon they'll go close. Mm. Yeah, Tim Silvers was with us thanks to APCO. APCO's Wicked Chili Devil Dogs. They're cheesy, spicy and wicked good. Uh, Mitch Cleary has some breaking news in relation to the Hawthorne racism investigation. We'll hear from him on the other side of this. But up next, if you want us, flick over to the app because on 11.16, our call of Richmond up against Collingwood is next. You're listening to Sports Day. Well, Darcy, here we here we go. Footy has returned. How are you feeling? I know. We're back again. It feels uh, feels like just yesterday we were running around uh, in the grand final and here we are playing the Community Shield match. So it's good to be back. It's... Um, yeah, it's been a hell of a pre-season. We've, uh, we've put a lot of work in, so it's, uh, it's exciting to be here in our last match simulation for the year. So I want to go back before pre-season. You know, you won the grand final. Did you have a good break? Did you go on holidays? Uh, I went on a few little holidays. Yeah, I'm normally one to travel sort of overseas and have a real break, but I found sort of after the, the premiership and all the, uh, all the extra commitments and uh, things that the club had on, I ended up sort of spending three or four weeks in Melbourne, um, you know, touring the cup around and doing those sorts of things, which was, which was fun, but meant didn't get as much of a break, but um, you certainly take that. You must have been tired at the end of the year because a friend of mine saw you take a lift, not the stairs, <laughs> at the end of the season. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. I, I was. Uh, I spent all of November riding the, the elevators of Melbourne just to uh, have a break. On a serious note, though, Darcy, what, you, what have you worked on yourself personally? In, in particular, I'm talking leadership here because last yeah. year you were sensational with the way you captained the mighty Collingwood Footy Club. But what have you done to to improve yourself in that area? Yeah, over the summer? I've been. It's been a real focus of mine, sort of over the summer and over the preseason. It's sort of always, as you probably know, with leadership. You sort of never arrive as a culture. You're always trying to give the younger guys, the next generation coming through, ones who have attributes that you see them being leaders one day. You want to give them opportunities and responsibilities in the football club to kind of take things and run and make it make it their own. So I've been focused on that, trying to give those guys opportunities, trying to give guys like, you know, Scott Pendlebury and um, Jeremy Howe and Steel Sidebottom, those guys, as much of a spell as I can because they've, you know, put in so many hard yards for our club and our culture for, for five or six, seven in Scott's case, you know, over 10 years in the leadership group as captain. So um, trying to give those guys a bit of a spell and hand over the reins to the younger crew so that's where pre-season games like this are exciting because we get to see them on field test their leadership skills in the moment um, without premiership points on the line premiership captain there darcy moore speaking pre-game the game is underway it's richmond Who have you given the votes to uh presti has been pretty dangerous has he kicked a goal and then had another crack mid-air i think he's got the footy as we speak that might have been short play looks to be playing a bit more forward ball goes inside richmond forward 50 and yeah kazitsky gives away a have you noticed the push in the backs 
I haven't yet. They've, they've made a bit of a return. They've, they've cracked I, down on the I hope it's not a mistake. On the push in the back. <laughs> but I, uh, I hope it becomes habitual. Well, we know the AFL are listening to you. Well, I hope so, Game, because, uh, well, I'm not sure they are because uh, we've well, been on this wag night. for eight years. I definitely were last night. <laughs> I didn't miss many last night. <laughs> Uh, look, it's a bit of a scrappy game, as we touched on. Can oh! be. That was uh, Gibkiss. That was good commentary. Went up high. Gibkiss um, went high. To Hopper to Taranto, scrubbers it forward. Jack Graham is a dangerous set shot. Sorry, got goal kicker on the run, but he misses that one at drifts wide. Richmond having all the play here, though. There's six scoring shots to one. A lot of handballs uh, going forward. A lot of handballs going forward. Collingwood trying to play the kicking game a little bit more than their handball game, and it's come unstuck a few times with turnovers in their back Well, inside 50s right now are nine to the Tigers and three only to the Pies. Time in forward half, 73 to 27. It's quite an amazing first month of footy. Let's go back to Geelong last year when uh, we all expected them to, you know, contend minimum. Yep. They picked up a few players, which... I think in hindsight, didn't really impact on their club as much as they would have hoped. But Jeremy Cameron was in just the best form of his career almost. Mm. He was the best player in the competition for the first eight or nine games before he uh, he got himself injured. But it's – and I take uh, guidance from Lee Matthews. He doesn't think the premiership hangovers hit until midway through a season. Right. So you've got to wait until – you know, it gets into the depths of winter when uh, things become arduous again and uh, it's footy's no longer fun again. It's just hard work before the cracks start to appear, if they are going to yeah, appear. Yeah, uh, and that makes sense. Injuries, you know, you have a couple of injuries and that'll set you back like Geelong did last year. Yep. And a couple of players weren't quite fit because their season went longer and Hawkins was one of those who started slowly. Dangerfield got injured, Blixarf's got injured, Guthrie got injured. Mm. So, I mean, then Collingwood, the injuries have already started to mount, even you know, to, to Murphy and Kruger got injured today. We don't know about how Pendlebury's not playing. Dustin Martin's gone forward and got on the end of an absolute bullet from Shea Bolton. A good one-two combination, those two, and he's going to have a, a set shot from about 35 out on a pretty difficult angle. But how does that pass from Bolton? Uh, that was superb. He uh, started well, Shea Bolton. We, we all know how good he is. He knows how good he is. But uh, I guess... Brilliance and uh, champion status only comes if you uh, can apply it on a consistent oh, can, basis. He kicked that right. Straight, can they? One six twelve to one point. That's a bit blustery. It's a little bit blustery. You don't play in these open stadia uh, all that often. But I, I uh, you just with predictions, the one thing you can never control is injuries. Mm. That's why it's fraught. Yeah. And so you can only ever commentate and predict. If everybody's the same and everybody has the same lack of injuries, but uh, if you get your spell of injuries, building momentum through the, for the through a season is just such an important nice hands from Ash Johnson aspect of the game. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's got great talent. He does hasn't he? important game for him. Just to, I mean, he'll play round one through necessity. Kruger's injured and McStay's out, so but he's getting first look at it and a good start. Led up to the logo, took a strong contested mark. They're definitely playing a high uncontested mark game. Uh, more so than I've seen them for a while. So maybe that's just a bit of practice in match simulation. Yep. The ball goes inside Collingwood's. It might be how hard Richmond are pushing back into the fence as well. They are really pushing back hard. That's a good effort going back with the flight of the ball from Markov. What a great pickup he was uh, last year. Are you uh, taking notes for close checking, the early one? Uh, I'll wait for the real stuff. Okay. For close checking. 
Um, but I might have a, I'll have a good. You look don't at do the a games. pre-season look. No, I have a good look at the games across the weekend. But we're starting a week earlier, oh. so we'll just go straight to. Can you address the uh, Oleg Markov mustache? <laughs> yeah, that's that's horrendous. Pretty ordinary, but it's working for him. He's a character. But they are bombing it inside four. So they I want to sort that out. Richmond is just going to eat that up with numbers through Pickett. And nothing really threatening at all from Collingwood attacking-wise. You are listening to Sports Day. We're going to shift gears and speak about some cricket next with Adam Collins, who is absolutely at the top of his game. You'll hear every ball live on SEM between the series between Australia and New Zealand as Richmond used some nice fast handball through the middle of the ground, have a shot from goal from 48 metres out and miss again. One goal seven for the Tigers. You're listening to Sports Day. You are listening to Sports Day. A very big show. Justin Lepich was with us and Tim Silvers from the Adelaide Football Club. If you missed any of that, you can go back and listen to the podcast. We'll keep you updated with uh, the scores from the footy as well. We're doing it all thanks to Nutrient Ag Solutions going further for Australian farmers. Find your local branch at nutrient.com.au. Well, Jared, are the Aussies about to be tested in a very enthralling test series against New Zealand. Let's find out with one of the absolute best in the business. We're lucky to have him, SEN cricket commentator, and one of the best in the world is Adam Collins. He joins us now. Colo, thanks for your time. An absolute pleasure. Very kind, Kane. And, yeah, great to be back in New Zealand for Test Cricket, the first time that Australia have played here for eight years, would you believe? England have been back for, for three Test Tours here uh, since the last time Australia were here eight years ago. It's remarkable. Is it making much of a splash on the pages and is it dominating any news media headlines over there yeah i reckon it is it's it sold out all four days well the first four days at both wellington and christchurch and yes the um, capacity is more like eleven thousand at the basin reserve so let, that's worth putting in context but yeah look i think that there is a scarcity there when it comes to new zealand having australia over here they've had their hors d'oeuvre if you like with the three t20 internationals one in hamilton a couple in auckland and now wellington which is kind of the home of cricket in new zealand gets their go uh, and what sort of wicket are we going to be on, Colo? Well, we're used to people doctoring wickets right around the nation, uh, sorry, right around the world. Do uh, New Zealand partake in uh, the, the, the dark science? <laughs> It'll look like it. If you look at photographs of the pitch today, you will think they are rolling out um, the classic green mamba designed to... Um, skittle Australia within a session, but yep. it's very deceptive over here. Um, green pitches, yeah, they, they might, well, they will um, give something to the fast bowlers early on. That, that's not in question. But in terms of being like, say, as it was at the Gabba a couple of years ago, a two-day test match, that's not the lived experience here in Wellington or indeed at Christchurch where we are next week. It looks green, but it plays flat after the first couple of right. hours. So um, we've seen big scores here. Last year was when... Um, when New Zealand followed on and won the Test match against England by one run after making 500-plus in the third innings of the Test match. So, um, look, that was a thrilling finish. We should be so lucky to get a Test that goes down to the wire like that one. But, um, yeah, don't be deceived when you see photos on social media today and tomorrow because it will look green on morning one, but that doesn't mean chaos either. Are they any good, New Zealand? It's a good question. Uh, look, they're top of the World Test Championship at the moment, but that's a small sample size. They've played four matches in this, uh, in this cycle, a couple against Bangladesh. They won one and lost one over there before Christmas. And they beat a, well, I was going to say second string South African team. Was it a mm. third or fourth string yep. South African team 2-0? So I'm not sure whether that's a credible form line. Uh, what they do have is loads of experience. They've got guys who have played 
a lot of cricket against Australia, and that can break either way. There's the, there's the mental scarring of not having enjoyed success against Australia in Test cricket, although they've, they've done pretty well in the white ball stuff over the years. Um, but, yeah, the, the, no-one's doubting the ability for someone like Kane Williamson, who's rattled off six Test hundreds in his last five matches, by the way, um, to uh, make big runs in this series. No-one questions the ability for Tim Southey to be a complete handful with the new ball. I was in the nets before watching Big Will O'Rourke, their new fast bowler. He is nasty. He is quick and he gets it right up you. So um, that'll be a point of difference. I don't have Trent Bolt, so they do need a point of difference and it might well come in the form of Will O'Rourke, who took nine for 93 match figures on debut against South Africa a couple of weeks ago. The bad news is I don't think Devin Conway is going to be fit to play. He wasn't at Basin Reserve today. He picked up a thumb injury wicket-keeping in the T20 Internationals. But the good news for them is that the quad strain that Ratchan Ravindra had, and he was a revelation in the World Cup last year and made a double hundred against the Saffirs a couple of weeks ago, he will be fit to play. So a few moving parts. Neil Wagner's retired today. He was picked in the squad, told he wasn't going to be in the team, and he's immediately retired from Test cricket. So that was unexpected. Mm. Um, But that reflects, I think, the that they want to have this big fella, O'Rourke, in the side for the first test match. First test between Australia and New Zealand gets underway on Thursday. Adam Collins is with us. Will we go in selected as expected? No surprises? Yeah, boring, boring Australia, right? When it comes to selection these days, I mean, now we've resolved this um, opening batter debate that dragged out across the summer and Stephen Smith got that position. Uh, Now this, I think, is the side they're going to want to play not only in these two test matches, but ideally in all five test matches against India next year. You look at the depth chart, you know, blokes like Michael Nisa and Scott Boland walking around at training today, they would be such a handful in New Zealand conditions, which are more like English conditions, I suppose. But um, Stark, Hazelwood and Cummins, the captain, all pick themselves, as does Nathan Lyon. And they really want Cameron Green in the side, which is why they've, they've gone into this whole recalibration mid-summer and Green batting four, Mitch Marsh, um, doing splendidly at number six and Stephen Smith having carried his bat the last time he played test cricket at the Gabba, albeit in a losing cause a couple of months ago. Well, not even that, a few weeks ago. So, um, yeah, it'll be Australia as names and they're all training fit and firing today. Where are the pressure points for us? I mean, Smith is probably okay after he finished pretty well in Australia, um, but Cameron Green is always the one that I look to. Big series for him, Colo, with bat and ball. Yeah, I I agree. I think that it is green. Uh, Look, number fours are meant to be intimidating. They're meant to be um, the the batter that walks out and the opposing side, no, look, here's the match winner. Green isn't that yet. This is an investment in the future. His whole career has been an investment in the future to this point, to an extent. I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to be there, but there has been an emphasis on getting as many test matches into his body as possible, both with um, making runs and taking wickets, knowing that that'll pay off, that investment should pay off, all things being equal, for a decade or longer. So he's, he's getting that number four spot a tiny bit ahead of time, probably. I'm not doubting his ability, but just that um, in a perfect world, he probably would have sat at six for a couple of more years if Mitch Marsh didn't um, command that spot in the lineup. So you would say Green is the pressure point if they can get a couple of early wickets. And yeah, look, Smith... It's, uh, I think it's reasonable that all eyes will be on him opening the batting. He batted, as you say, really nicely at the Gabba in extraordinarily challenging circumstances when Shamar Joseph was running through them a couple of weeks ago. But um, Smith hasn't done a lot of this at first-class level. Uh, and against, as I mentioned before, Southey and um, probably Will O'Rourke, I'd say, taking uh, the new ball and the depth that New Zealand enjoy with the ball. Um, that, that'll be of interest throughout the course of the series, I'm sure, especially if New Zealand... 
I wouldn't want to see them win the toss and bowl, to be honest, Kane. I think mm. that's a sign mm. of weakness. But if Australia win the toss and bat, um, it might end up being a good toss to lose for New Zealand, if that makes sense. Because Labashane's the other one, Colo. That's the one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Well, Manus had a, 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 a modest summer. Um, it's, it's been interesting watching his returns taper off a little bit from those really high marks he was setting a couple of years ago when he went to number one in the world, according to the ICC. And his batting average has dropped off and his rankings dropped off and all the rest of it. You wouldn't notice it watching him in the nets and around the dressing room and around the team, you know, in the privileged position that we're in as journalists and broadcasters. You spend a lot of time in their company. You wouldn't know that he's had uh, a, a tougher trot in the last 12 months or last 18 months compared to the 18 before or the three years before, really. Um, so there's no question of his spot in the side. It's more that um, having enjoyed quite a bit of luck earlier in his career, um, he would love a bit of that right now. Uh, and look, against New Zealand, he, he did make a double ton the last time these teams met back at Sydney. It feels an eternity ago before the pandemic. It was the last test match Australia played before that long layoff during COVID in 2020. So... He has enjoyed success against these bowlers and that'll be something you can draw upon, as can Usman Khawaja, who made the most exquisite 140 at this ground eight years ago. I remember those cover drives um, throughout the course of a couple of days when I don't think I've ever seen anybody any better than that. So um, Khawaja talked to us this morning and he was in, in good spirits as well, remembering uh, an, an important moment in his career because that, that century was his first away from home. I know we lost to West Indies in the final test here, but... Goodness gracious me, we have done an enormous effort or performance, I think, given uh, the stresses that this team has been under for a good 10 to 12 months now. I mean, it's it's going to be a big break after this, and they deserve a big break given that they've uh, had such a, a crowded international series. In fact, I think they've stood up remarkably well given the, the heights they scaled uh, to not plummet mentally uh, just through, I guess, overuse of uh, the juices. Yeah, look, you go through the last uh, 15, 16 months, home summer, followed by trip to India, followed by World Test Championship final, followed by five Ashes Test matches in England. Most of them played the World Cup into another home summer and a couple of weeks off back to New Zealand. You're right, it's been helter-skelter. And no one's feeling sorry for them, by the way. I mean, it's their job and they do it really well. But um, it it does... uh, focus the attention a little bit on where we started our conversation around the World Test Championship. They're actually in third spot right now. Um, So India leapfrogged them yesterday. New Zealand are in top spot. So if they can win 2-0 here, if they they do really well and sweep the series, uh, that all mean they're back in the top two before that long break. Number of them will go off and play white ball cricket. Some of them will play county cricket and and keep the, the juices flowing that way. But some of them will just take some time off and that's great as they should. Uh, and they'll regroup for five test matches against India, and that will probably make or break whether they make the top two for the next World Test Championship final, which is scheduled for Lords in the middle of next year. So, yeah, it's been a long run, but they're desperate to stick the landing here, win these two test matches, and put themselves in a great spot to make the final again. It's a big ask, Kane. I mean, we've been brought up on, I guess, season on, season off, and uh, it's a a good four months off Mm. from the... Not from training, but from, uh, I guess, the, the mental stresses of competing. It's the same in the tennis world. They've got a pretty full calendar in the cricket world. It's a bit unbalanced to mine, but uh, I think they've done it particularly well. Yeah, no doubt about that. Hey, Cole, I can ask you about the, the series between India and England because England have been found out, much to the delight of many uh, in this country. But what does it say about the two nations and the strength of it? Because it's been a pretty poor performance from the Poms. 
<laughs> well, it depends how you interpret it. No one wins in India, and they've given it the closest shake that anyone has for 12 years, right? So um, in context, uh, they won't be gutted about the way they've gone. They'll be gutted that they've missed the moments in tests three and four. Mm. So at Rajkot, when they resumed at two for 200 on day three, albeit a fair way behind the game because India posted 450 in the first innings and they capitulated on that third day in stunning circumstances and that was well documented. This week it was a little bit different on the third day. It was Ashwin at the peak of his powers. Who This was no, I mean to use the vernacular, this was no baseball batting so to speak. This was them holding on for dear life and Ashwin and Kuldeep Yadav who I'm thrilled for, the left arm wrist spinner. Until this series he'd only played seven test matches and only once had he played two in a row because they always went back to Ashwin and Jadeja. Well, given an opportunity throughout the course of a series, he's bowled as well as he ever has. So um, England being bowled out for 145 on day three this time, I think was mostly due to India in conditions that turn. And it wasn't, it wasn't like the pitch at Indoor last year where it was a total lottery. It wasn't like that at all, but it was turning and that's fine. Um, in England up against that, like most teams, just didn't have what it took to hang on and there were some notable examples of that. Probably most of all, Johnny Bairstow, who, you know, I think Johnny cops a bit of a rough whack sometimes uh, in lots of different ways. Of course, he was involved in that famous stumping at Lords last year and probably didn't help himself there with the way he responded to that. But um, taken as a whole, he's played a lot of international cricket. He plays his 100th Test match next week. But his dismissal uh, in the second innings, last uh, first ball after tea, kind of summed up where... England gave themselves looks and chances, but they couldn't grasp the most important opportunities, and that's why they're they're three one down in the series. Mm. So you say India are unbeatable. Um, that's at home. I mean, we, we're going to forecast to our summer here coming yep. up. Feels like a, a long time away, but I'm looking at their batting lineup. Going, they just pull batters from anywhere. Colo, they they have star batsmen everywhere. Like, how frightened should we be of this side? Because I don't reckon we're completely at the top of our game. Well, this is the magic of the IPL, Kane, right? Like, they, they, they get these players who want to be superstars, right? And, and they take them and they turn them into test cricketers. Uh, they purpose them the way they need them to be. So, Jaiswell's the, the example of this, yeah. right? He's a kid. Um, he's come from nowhere and he's rattled off two double hundreds in test cricket already. He's an absolute gun, right? And, you know, the maturity of someone like Shubham Gill. There's always one player in that Indian batting lineup who's under the pump, and it's been Shubham Gill, rightly or wrongly. I mean, his returns haven't been disastrous, but um, online, the pressure from Indian fans, the expectations they're expected to set are so very high. They're astronomical. And if you're the guy in the gun, that can be pressure that's too much for some. Shreyas Iyer, who lost his spot in the side, is an example of that. But it was Shubham Gill there when it mattered most yesterday. They lost those two wickets in two balls after lunch, and you're thinking, well... 50-odd to get on a pitch that's turning square, England with their tails up, they might just do this. But um, between um, Shubham Gill and uh, Jarrell, the new wicketkeeper, who just looks an absolute star at the first time of asking, 23 years of age, plays as straight as a die, um, and you can just see the technique oozing out of him. Um, you're right. I mean, they have won in Australia the last two times. It's the flip of what we talk about when going to India. When going to India, they've not lost a test series there since 2011-2012. Um, whereas over here, India won famously at the Gabba three years ago, and they also won, albeit a slightly odd summer in 1819, when Smith and Warner were, were banned um, from, the, from the test side. So that was a, a, an artificial result to an extent because it wasn't the Australian best team. But 2021, 20, um, that was the Australian first 11, and they beat them, and they beat them magnificently with the squad that was depleted. And that, again, goes to their depth, goes to their talent identification processes and 
um, yes, it, it reinforces their status as the top dog in international cricket. Colo, have they stopped talking about the underarm over there? <laughs> it comes up all the time Does in it? the weirdest places. I was talking to talking to someone today who mentioned it in, in passing. And, yeah, it's one of those things that no matter how many times Greg Chappell has to account for what happened that yep. famous uh, day in 1981, uh, it'll, it'll always come up in probably the same way that we'll – We'll keep hearing about sandpaper until we're mm. until we're old men, uh, because that's the sort of thing that, uh, when it happens, uh, it, it, it hangs around forever. So um, I guess that's just uh, the price to be paid uh, for the decision that was made by the captain on that day at the MCG. Forty-three years ago, okay? Yeah, it's still going <laughs> what, up. What a sports story <laughs> that is. Uh, just a forty-one before we go, uh, Colo. Andrew Pridham has said today that he reckons the Swans have got more supporters than Collingwood. What do we think about that? More supporters than Collingwood. Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a bold comment. Um, okay. Well, I suppose gone are the days of flying in in the pink helicopter from a Sydney perspective. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't have a strong view either way about where, where their membership base Jared, is at. But, uh, it uh, probably says a little bit about the, the club that Jared played at and, and where Sydney was at as a footy club after 1982 and where it was in the early 90s when it Lee went out of business and when Ron Barassi went up there in 1993 and turn the ship around compared to where they are now. I mean, it's an extraordinary story, uh, and that should be commended. Whether they are as big a club as Collingwood, I mean, that doesn't seem to compute in my footy brain, but I suppose the economics of footy has changed so much in the last 20 years, it's, it's plausible, but um, I'm, I wouldn't consider myself qualified to know emphatically. Well, I think he would uh, produce some uh, marketing evidence that suggests that uh, when people say, who's your footy team, more people would say, Sydney. Because half of Sydney barrack for Sydney, and it's a big state, and uh, there's there's been a number of um, research studies done on that. That from a branding perspective, it comes to mind uh, more so for more people than the Pies. Um, but then again, the Pies have got a hundred thousand members. The Swans have got sixty. Uh, they got the highest gate attendance, but they're playing in front of uh, on the at the biggest stadium. But Anyway, it's good uh, that we're even talking this yeah. way because in 1992 it was uh, just about all over yeah. for Sydney, and uh, it's now an amazing, <laughs> it's unbelievable brand in sport. I think they're going to be strong. Uh, Cole, I can't wait to listen to you on Thursday, mate. Appreciate your time as always. And cheers, Dan. Have a good show. SEN cricket commentator there, Adam Collins, an enthralling Test match coming up over there in New Zealand, getting underway on Thursday. The best team in the business is right here on SEN, where you'll hear every ball. Live, uh, what did you make of the story regarding Peter Sumich, who stood down from his yeah. weekly column for being too critical of Harley Reid and the West Coast Eagles? Well, I guess it just goes to the sensitivity around young people, mm. certainly much more that so than it was uh, 30, 40 years ago for criticism. Um, it didn't seem too harsh to me. I've read the story and Summer was just basically saying what I think we're all thinking, and that is, I mean, this guy isn't Chris Judd. I thought he was spot on. The, the quote is, he's going to be a good player, but everyone is carrying on like he's going to be Christian. Yeah. I said he's got a little bit of puppy fat and he needs to tidy up this and that. But that was it. I think that's pretty spot on. And, mm. and the hype has just been extraordinary. He's on the back page of the paper again today. It's, was he? It's in the 30s, the, the back front page count for Harley mm. Reid without even playing a game. So, yeah, I was surprised by that because in the past he's been reasonably critical at times and outspoken Peter Swimich and there's been no repercussions for that. Mm. So just must be a bit sensitive about Harley. Well, it must be uh, coming from the top, I suspect, just these the 18-year-olds. But uh, in, in many respects, just by putting him on the back page of the paper 30-odd times is, uh, is 
doing as much, uh, yeah, not damage. That's the wrong word, but it certainly uh, puts the pressure on him. Put it? the pressure yeah. on, sort of uh, creating, I guess the the environment for a major fall. Carlton and Melbourne tomorrow night from Icon. Uh, who's that last preseason game more important? For oh, look, it's a preseason game. I think it's important for both of them. I mean, ultimately, we're talking about this last night game. If ever there was a game that the Demons needed to win, it's round one in Sydney against Sydney. Sydney have lost Parker. They've um, they've lost another midfielder who's uh, can't remember. Um, but they've you know the Demons have have lost a couple as well. So. Mm. But just trying to, you know, calm the farm if you like. This, if they win this, it'll put the the, the yeah. cultural issues on the back page that are there regularly at the moment. Uh, it'll put them in the dustbin for at least a week. It will, yeah. No, I think it's a, just an important. Mills is the other midfield. Get out yeah. for them, yeah. Yeah, Mills with the Mad Monday uh, incident. So uh, Carlton, Melbourne tomorrow night, and then Sydney and the Lions on Thursday. Preseason games everywhere across this weekend as the teams have their last hit out before we get underway in opening round uh, next week. Let's get to the Tyre Power Sports Update. Now on Sports Day, a sports update for Tyre Power, Australia's biggest independent tyre retailer. A concussion class action representing Darren Jarman, Jay Schultz and Shane Tuck's widow, Catherine, will be discontinued with the AFL now fighting a single mega class action. The trio of players will now be represented in the class action being brought forward, um, which has Geelong Premiership hero Max Rook as the lead plaintiff. Uh, not good news at the Cats with Cam Guthrie. First no, kick that was of unfortunate. the season game against yep. the Blues last week. He went down and it's a nasty one. The quads are nasty, as you know, Normally Jerry. a month. Eight to ten weeks, this one. Is it? Gee, it must be a bad one. Nasty one. Um, Forecast temperatures of close to 40 degrees has led to Sydney's Amy Community Series match against Brisbane on Thursday being pushed back by three hours. So the two sides were scheduled to play at 4.10 at Blacktown, but the match will now start at 7.10. So I think that is a... That is a wise move. What's your expectation for crowd there at Blacktown? The, The AFL continue to... I guess uh, pretend that there's support out there. How many do you reckon will be in the preseason game against Brisbane? Oh, three thousand. I reckon that you 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 could divide that by about (laughs) ten five. (laughs) All right, all right. Uh, Not a lot of faith there for the crowd that's going to get out there to Blacktown tomorrow to see two good sides who I think will both finish in the top four. Uh, Richmond captain Toby Nankervis is facing a crucial training session on Tuesday in his bid to feature an opening round. Can I just go back to that? Yeah. It just makes no sense. The side that they're trying to build in the West are the Giants. Yes, not Sydney. Not Sydney. Sydney are fine. So why is Sydney going to Blacktown to play Brisbane in a practice match? It would be a bit confusing. For the non-rusted on AFL well, fans. Well, there's no rusted on fans out there. I mean, the you, you watch. Sydney. There'll be about 50 people there. All right. We'll be watching on TV, though. Uh, important for Richmond with Nan Curvis because I don't think they've got a backup. Um, Naismith is there, and Samson Ryan looks not quite ready to mm. lead the ruck for the Tigers. He's got plantar fasciitis. This is the Richmond captain, Nan Curvis. Uh, it's flared up in recent le- weeks. They're nasty, those. Yep. Um, they are sore. We all know the story and the famous tale of Robert Harvey jumping off yep. a massage table to snap his so it healed quicker. Hopefully it's not that bad. So does Naismith come in? Well, I reckon he does. He does? Yeah. I just don't think Samson Ryan can. And we saw that last week against Gorn. He's just out of his depth physically. He'll get there in time, I think. Yep. But he's more of your... It's a good pickup. Yeah. Now, well, hopefully, hopefully he's had a, 
shocking run with injury. Yes. Uh, but it's a it's a good story. And The Swans invested heavily in him. He just kept on getting injured. Uh, he was a good pickup uh, from the word go. I think he had a rugby union background or, there, or thereabouts. And I was assuming that maybe uh, the West Coast Eagles would go for him, but they went for Flynn. And I, I think that maybe even uh, the Giants could do with some further backup in the ruck. Maybe uh, I'm discounting. Maybe Mummy could still come off, mm. the, off the bench. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, there's a few teams, including West Coast, that could do with some ruck Absolutely. backup depth. Uh, and New Zealand great Neil Wagner has stunned everyone by retiring from international cricket ahead of the Test Series against Australia, which we just spoke to Colo about. The 37-year-old paceman was in the squad for the two-match series, which begins on Thursday, as we said, where he was expected to resume his rivalry with Steve Smith. Instead, he's going to carry the drinks and then walk away from the international stage. Congratulations to Neil on an outstanding career. That was your sports update for Tire Power. Get your free five-minute safety check with Tire Power. You are listening to Sports Day. Plenty happening tonight um, and we will continue the program after this.